0: In a
1: world where we're all flooded with information, what the church really has to offer is deep, meaningful relationships and giving all of that information a context to make sense in.
0: Hi, I'm Carl Vaders, and I'm a small church pastor. And welcome to the Can This Work in a Small Church podcast. My guest today is Aaron Utek. Aaron is a pastor and the host of the Good Ideas for Churches podcast. In this conversation, Aaron and I talk about some of the positive trends he's been seeing in the church and among pastors, including a refocusing on mission rather than having an obsession with methods. We also talk about the value of podcasting for pastors and churches, including what question we must answer before we're ready to even ask ourselves, should I start a podcast? And don't forget to stick around when the interview is done. I'll come back with an overview of the content and an answer to the question, can this work? in a small church all right well hey welcome to the podcast Aaron it's good to have you on with us today
1: yeah, thank you. It's great to be here. Great to talk to you again.
0: You are not unfamiliar with the podcast area because you have done an awful lot of work on podcasts, on videocasts, some of them with your friend Matt Whitman, who, by the way, Was our guest for episode 32 of this podcast. So, our listeners are already familiar with Matt through that and through the 10 minute Bible hour. Uh, Give me some of your background. How did you come into the podcast and video space? And what is your new project? Well, fairly new project that you're working on right now in the podcast space.
1: Yeah. So, I sort of landed here on accident. God has a sense of humor in all kinds of ways, right? I actually had a broadcasting degree when I was a college student at the University of Nebraska. And I decided that I was going to go into ministry and I didn't need all that technical training. (laughs) And so I I resigned. I had a really awesome internship with the uh, university of Nebraska athletic department. And I decided, no, I'm going to be a pastor. And I'm I I shouldn't be giving my time to all this technical stuff and look at the world now. I mean, it's like you almost have to know. I mean, every, every small church pastor, especially is the VR guy. So I had that in my background and like so many of us, COVID forced you into being a video and audio producer. I mean, of course, you're, you know, you've got the sound guy and you're you learn the soundboard and those things all along. But here we are all of a sudden, and we're all home in our home office or wherever we're at, and we're putting videos up. And so my good friend Matt, uh, he's done the 10-minute Bible hour for I think about eight years now. And so he gave me some tips. And I started putting my sermon videos together. Well, after a few weeks that we just absolutely blew everything up on a Zoom, we decided that I would put together a video and then it would go out on a streaming service. And if people chose to, they could have a home group watch party for it or not. So for the months that we were on quarantine in Illinois, that worked pretty well, uh, about as well as it was going to work. So, you know, now a huge part of my sermon was to write it and then deliver it into a, a little homemade studio And got into that a couple of years ago. Well, about a year ago, we started this conversation a while back. But I had the opportunity to join Matt in the 10 minute Bible Hour. And really, what we're doing, the ministry is called Eyes Up, and it's a nonprofit version of what the 10 minute Bible Hour is. And the idea is, let's go work directly with churches and try to work in that space. Matt, in his business, had created a lot of ministry opportunities, and so I was added to the team to help pastors, help churches capitalize on all of the emails and questions that we were already getting and actually just to help him follow up on those things. So that's where we got started. The podcast is called Good Ideas for Churches. And it's just that we want to find one good idea that's going to help a pastor or a church leader and create positive energy that things are better than it feels. You hear all the discussions about deconstruction and people leaving the church and, you know, evangelicalism is failing. And it would be really easy to fall into that corner of the Internet and feel like everything's failing. We want to give people a source for creative ideas, things that they can try and a sense of growing momentum. There is more happening in the kingdom. God is not done. God is not at work. It's going to look different than it has 30 years ago. And that's just great. Great. But there's things happening and we want to find those people and use the power of the internet to bring us all together and to make it better together.
0: Very cool. Well, are you seeing any patterns kind of emerging in the first few interviews that you've done with Good Ideas for Churches? What are you seeing out there?
1: Yeah, we've got six episodes so far and I've got a number of other interviews so far that editing up and putting into an actual episode to put it out. So there's a lot of good things happening. Not all of it is deconstruction and, you know, bad leadership or church abuse. Almost all of these things that we've observed so far have come from people in smaller churches. And I think that's really interesting. The observation there for me is it tells me that we don't need to wait for one hyper gifted individual to give us a template. The Holy Spirit has given empowerment and wisdom and gifts and skills and creativity to all of us So far, I've had talked to people from both coasts so far, North and South, East and West. They've got something that's worked and they've been able to grow a church or they've been able to bridge racial gaps and all of these different things that we're talking about. It's not, the answer is out there in all of us. And so I think that's a fun lesson right off the bat. One of the things that I see is long game investment. All of the stories so far, almost all of them are really about what's your strategy for getting next to people? And what's your strategy for just being friends and being human together? It's Mm -hmm. not a matter of a program or a budget or a big event. One guy did a big event. This was a a fun story. He was a, a worship pastor and he met a guy in his neighborhood and the guy had been a heavy metal drummer. And so they decided to do a Uh, Halloween night on their driveway, they did a concert where they just did 90s rock music. And it wasn't religious at all, but really the music was a place for their relationship to happen. And all of these different things. One guy had a story of a hockey ministry in Dallas, Fort Worth, which was just a huge undertaking. Another guy is in Vermont, or excuse me, New Hampshire. They have a ski and bike ministry in a mountain town. All of these things They're a place for the relationships to happen. And I think that may be where the church needs to go. Because if you look at our culture, there's so much skepticism about the church and institutions in general that I think the idea of getting close up to someone is what it's going to take for people to learn to trust one another again. So if you think like this, people might be anti-police. That's a discussion right now. But most of those people who are theoretically anti-police will know, well, my uncle is a police officer or, you know, there's a guy across the street. Well, I trust him. Well, why do you trust him? Well, because you know him individually. I think that's where we're going. And that's some of the stuff I see so far.
0: That's encouraging that what you're seeing is long-term trends towards the great commandment. Love God, love others is really what you're seeing there. Cause for so many years, we've had such a love of, of looking for new methods, almost an an obsession. I I've got this picture in my head of going to a conference and maybe sitting at the back because I'm tall. So I always sit at the back. That's my excuse. So that people don't have to look over me. I'll watch them as somebody's getting up teaching and they might give really like long-term eternal principles and people just stare. And then they say a clever rhyme and everybody's head goes down as they write that note. And I can just imagine there's now 300 churches next Sunday that are all going to say together, it can make you better or it can make you bitter, because that's what the guy said. And it's like (laughs) they missed the principle behind it because they wanted to grab onto the gimmick. Mm. So what I'm hearing from you is while we're changing methods and we're willing to adapt to things from hockey to heavy metal, what I yeah. heard.
1: <laughs> yeah. There you go. You got the slogan. It's, I love it.
0: Right. It's not about the hockey or the heavy metal. It's it's that these are ways of connecting people to each other and eventually to an understanding of who, who Christ is in their life. That's yeah. the premise behind it.
1: Yeah, I'm hearing that. And the thing that makes it go is that is not the method. You're right. there because you're interested in the people, there's a shared interest. I'm going to be here playing hockey anyway. So yeah, let's just build a a really cool hockey league that will intentionally bring people under the influence of the gospel. Like we have a shared interest and that interest could be anything. It could be heavy metal music or hockey or the ski and bike guys at the mountain town in New Hampshire. Uh, But in every one of these cases, the thing that comes through is, they're friends with these people anyway. It's not a project. I'm not here with a goal. I don't have five steps that I'm going to move this conversation to something like we're in here for the long game. And I think that's really key of what makes it work.
0: Doesn't it also feel like it takes some of the pressure off that I'm, I don't have to memorize this list of steps that I need to walk everybody through. I just need to be present in people's lives. And as I am present in people's lives as a believer and as someone who is on mission with God, I don't want to say who who was it who was I believe misquoted or he never said share the gospel at all times if necessary use words
1: it's attributed to Francis of Assisi I think
0: yeah which I looked it up and he never said probably right <laughs> yeah <laughs> It's not that because using words is necessary we are called to preach the gospel but I think years ago people used to be open to a pastor walking up and just simply preaching the gospel or at least or it seemed that way because I think we held a certain esteem and respect by our title and titles right. used to be esteemed and respected in the culture in general the title of president to pastor to doctor to whatever yeah. titles are not respected anymore in fact the higher your title the more likely you are to have to you know earn their their trust to overcome the title mm-hmm. And so we have to earn the right to be heard. We have to earn the right to speak. But if we can just simply relax a little bit and be present in people's lives, I think a lot of it will happen kind of organically as people are start to trust us enough to express their needs. And we are able to engage in conversation and relationship with them in a way that helps to bring the redemptive power of the gospel into that conversation.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think it does take a weight off. You talk about, well, we need to really invest in people, but the, it takes the weight away and yeah. just makes it easy. Like I just got to be me now. Here's the scary thing for church people, but I'm a mess. I'm going to aren't I going to make Jesus look bad? And I, I saw a really a great tweet, you know, sometimes Twitter's mostly bad, but once in a while you'll, you'll see somebody that has a real pithy gym. I don't even remember who said it, but this tweet was Jesus' reputation will never be harmed by your repentance. Mm. You think about that. Yeah. My relationship to Jesus is exactly because of my repentance. And yeah. so we walk out into the world with all of our messes and dysfunctions and neuroses and a wildly insecure. Jesus is never harmed by my me getting it wrong and admitting it.
0: And we are living at a cultural moment now, different than when I was younger and different, I think, than it was for generations, maybe centuries. For a long period of time. There was a sense that showing any vulnerability would lose people's trust in us. Mm -hmm. And we are now at a cultural moment where I believe in the general population, the idea that I show no vulnerability actually causes more distrust. And a show of vulnerability is more likely to open people up to identify with us. I think that's a, everybody always wants to point out the bad, but as you mentioned earlier, there's a lot of good. And I think one of the good things that's happening culturally right now is that people are open to leaning into people as they express their vulnerability and their brokenness and then sharing that back with you.
1: Yeah. I don't have the answers to this, but I mentioned the idea of, you know, deconstruction. That's a huge topic, big, lots of podcasts happening on that right now. And man, if you want a following, start talking about, start having guests that are leaving the faith and angry for something. I think unspoken underneath that, and there's lots of hurt that's just very legitimate. It's not fake. I hurt for every one of these stories I've listened to, but underneath it, there's also a sense of, there's gotta be more than the outward show here. And so it's a little terrifying, especially if you've been in church your whole life, but the, the tremendous opportunity for where the church is at right now Is there anybody better set up to show people what real life looks like and real authenticity? And if all our institutions, we feel like we're all being gamed by some angle from everybody we see, is there ever an institution better than the church to be like, no, Uh, here's our agenda. And we're going to be right up here on our sign up front. Like we want to tell you about Jesus, but we also just want to hang out
0: with you. Yeah, there's there's literally no better place on earth than a healthy congregation to answer the needs that are now that have always been, but that are now being uh, more evident in people's lives than they maybe have ever been before. Yeah, people are sensing that vulnerability very real ways. Let's move from the wonderful philosophical tone yeah. that we've had so far The things a little more practical because we always like putting tools in people's hands as your good ideas for churches podcast does as well and as we were talking about this we realized okay both of us are podcasters you've done an awful lot of podcasting both video and audio podcasts so what I want to do is let's talk together asking you questions and maybe I can throw in some things that I've learned as well Please. about podcasting for The average pastor of the average smaller congregation who, first of all, wonders, should I even do a podcast? If so, how would I do it? What would be the purpose behind it and all of that? So let's start with that first question. Should pastors start podcasts? And if so, why?
1: I'll give an odd answer. Maybe not. Okay. But maybe. I want to be encouraging. And I want, you know, maybe there's a listener here who has, they have a great idea. And it could be the next thing. And so I I do want to be encouraging, but be eyes wide open about it. There is a lot of noise to cut through if you're going to build Mm -hmm. an audience. And, you know, I looked at these when I started this more officially, you know, in the last year, the average podcast, I I think I'm going to misquote this, maybe like less than 50 listeners, and they're all just very small. And you see, you never really get past, if you picture yourself on an island and the waves are kind of constantly pounding in at you it takes, you know, a motorboat or something to kind of get you past those breakers. And so how are you going to get through? Is your idea really going to offer something new to the hundreds of podcasts that are out there? And you may have that idea. And I would encourage everyone listening to genuinely explore that. But if not, then where else could you channel that gift and that energy that might go to A better use, a better stewardship really of our time and resources. So maybe some questions to help filter through that. Will it augment my ministry? Will it amplify the church ministry or will it compete with the ministry? There could be ways that you set it up and it works in concert with what you're doing with your message and maybe helps people draw in their friends and neighbors to what you're doing on your Sunday morning. And maybe it's a kind of on-ramp. It could also be a big drain on your personal resources. Now you've done this thing. You're starting to write your messages in with thinking of the audio channel instead of the sermon on Sunday morning in front of a real audience channel. It could shape negatively how you think about that. You might start posturing for two different audiences. There's just a lot of things to think through. So I actually would encourage people to consider it. But my initial answer may, should I start one? Well, maybe not, but also Maybe you know? So those are some things to kind of think about. What will your podcast add to the conversation? I've had to learn this and Matt's done this a lot longer than I have, and he's much more gifted at it. So like, we just spent a lot of time together and and shift my mindset. Every pastor has enough people in their life telling them they're a great communicator, whether they are or not, you know, but that doesn't necessarily translate to in front of a microphone. Those are things to think about.
0: I love that answer because my first question to you on that is actually not the correct first question that we ought to be asking, Hmm. right? The first question shouldn't be, should I start a podcast or should I start or stop a Wednesday night service or that kind of a thing? The right question should be, what are we called to do and what's the best way to do it? Yeah. So your answer of maybe, maybe not is, well, it depends on, is a podcast the best way to do the thing you're called to do?
1: Yes. That's a great way to ask the question. I like that.
0: Yeah. Cause if we're starting a podcast, cause everybody's doing podcasts, I can tell you yeah. right now, it won't work.
1: Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's <laughs> right? hard.
0: yeah it's I've been hard. doing this ministry to small churches for, we were doing it for eight years before we even started having serious conversations about whether or not to have a podcast. Mm. And then almost a year of really setting the whole thing up and deciding what it would look like, what it would be called, what the format would be so mm. that we're now here, you know, recording what's going to be the 34th, 35th, 36th podcast, wherever we are in our line right now. But the only reason I did that was because, okay, the next step in this ministry is to bring in advice, resources, and ideas from other people. And the best way right now to have conversations with other ministries is through the podcast medium. So the podcast became the answer to a higher question.
1: Yeah. That's kind of where where we started as well, you know, in in trying to position ourselves to, Handle the, like I said, the ministry things that were already coming in to the 10 minute Bible hour, and people looking at that as a resource like, well, okay, well, let, let's start offering resources and then start to build relationships with churches and leaders and go from there.
0: And now, a short break to talk about something else. If you like the content you're hearing, here are two things you can do for us first, forward this podcast to a friend, second, Consider becoming a financial supporter through Patreon, Venmo, or PayPal. Just go to carlvaders.com slash support. For as little as $3 a month, you can help us put these resources into the hands of the ministries that need them the most. Our support link is in the show notes.
2: God is a genius storyteller, and the evidence of this is threaded throughout Scripture.
0: Okay, so let's make the assumption at this point that we're talking to people who have decided, yes, starting yeah. a podcast is going to be the next best step for whatever ministry you're in, whether it's a church ministry, parachurch ministry, expanding a ministry going deeper into it or whatever. What are the first things that we need to do in considering a podcast?
1: Great question. I would say, what's your concept? I struggled with this as I thought about it myself, like, okay, so I've taught the Bible, but there's there's a thousand other. You know, men and women have taught the Bible. Like, so we do another Bible podcast. Like, what am I going to offer to the audience and think in terms of that? So what's your concept? And then take a few runs at it, I would say, for practice. Before you even buy gear, set your phone up with an audio recorder. Take a few runs at it, how you think it's going to work. And put it in front of some friends and ask them to be brutally honest. And, uh, you know, that doesn't work. Nope. Yep. That sounds fine. But that's not distinct in any way from a thousand other people that are doing the exact same thing and just, you know, run those kinds of questions. So I think a a concept an idea, you know, in terms of getting it set up, the gear actually is really cheap. You can get a mic and you can just use your own laptop and some kind of system to quiet your room down and get a recording. But the idea, the concept is, is good. And then you can develop a plan on where you go from there.
0: Yeah. It really does need to match your mission. I started actually when COVID first hit And we realized I'm a teaching pastor at the church and all of a sudden I couldn't be doing any teaching for a few weeks. And then it turned out, Oh, not for a few months at least. Yeah. And so that was when I immediately started jumping onto the video bandwagon. So I thought, okay, I'm going to put out a video a week on a teaching segment. And then I realized because I can shoot like two or three videos a day, instead of having to show up every single Wednesday night, even when I'm on the road or even when I'm sick, I can put them in the can and everybody knows on Wednesday at seven o'clock this next teaching video through the uh, Sermon on the Mount was one of the ones we did, for instance, or through the life of Jesus. Mm-hmm. It's going to come out and I can watch it then or I can watch it later if I want to. Mm-hmm. And we actually started banking book uh, Bible studies. So we have a mm-hmm. Bible study on Genesis, on Revelation, on the life of Christ, on the Sermon on the Mount. Right now yeah. we're doing an entire through the year Bible study. And the reason is so that people come to the church now and they go, hey, have you guys ever done a, a teaching on Revelation? Everybody wants a teaching on Revelation for some reason. <laughs> Yeah, we used to have to say, well, 15 years ago we did one. Sorry you missed it. (laughs) And now we can go, actually, here's a link
2: Uh
0: that you can actually follow up on. We started building a library of Bible studies for our congregation, and we're getting surprising numbers of views on that as people are now watching it and handing it around. That works for our congregation. We discovered it because we couldn't meet physically, and so we had to do it virtually. But now we're continuing to do that. I put out a video. Every single week, right now, we're doing through the Bible in a year, which the audio version of is the Bible Reading Coach podcast that anybody yeah. can listen to whenever they want as well. We did it because we saw a need, and we saw that either a video cast or a audio podcast was the best way to answer that need. And the first thing I did, very simply, was on my laptop with a camera on the laptop and you know, found the room, just like you said, and just simply started recording it and putting it out there. And we've tweaked it as we've gone along because we've learned things as we've gone. So maybe YouTube, Facebook Live, would that be the easiest first step for most people because you really don't have to pay for it and it's really very uh, user-friendly?
1: It could be, yes, it totally could be. I wanna to touch on something there that you said. Now, you put okay. stuff up and you had people come back to it. There's a connection there because- part of what makes, should I do a podcast or, you know, should we, should my church branch out into this? There's so many places for people to get content and every one of them are better content deliveries than me. They're better teachers than me. They're, they look better in on a camera than me, you know, or they have better gear. And so what's interesting to me is that you said your church has utilized that, you know, and you can follow the metrics and you know that that's working and people are sharing it. There's a connection there that they have to you, to your ministry, to it's funneling towards the rest of the life of the church, rather than just another piece of Bible content out there floating. And I think that's part of what makes it work. And so part of the decision process is, okay, how's it going to, like I said, augment, how's it going to build up the ministry and funnel back in rather than kind of be its own thing. So YouTube, Facebook live, those are an easy place to start. They also have their traps because you're you're really fighting against an algorithm and so if you want your church people to watch your youtube it's a great free place to put stuff up but you'll have to give the link to the people that you want to have it because unless you get to a certain point it's really really hard for that video to get an organic reach as they say Mm -hmm. yeah and those things are constantly being tweaked it's almost impossible to just find the formula if you're going to use those and they're a great place to start, they're a great service, they're free and they're easy to use, but what's your plan for it and how are you going to use it and know the limitations of it? There's a famous old maxim that if it's free, you're the product. Uh, yeah. So those are both free. Yeah. And so what are you giving up in terms of uh, your identity and those kind of things? And and I've wondered too, so we, the ministry I had before joining Matt with 10 Minute Bible, we... Uh, planted a church in Illinois. We met in the high school library. They had kind of a multimedia center in the local library. It was a smaller city. The community was about 25,000. And so we were well known, you know, it was, oh, there's this new church It's meeting in the high school library. And the church wanted to live stream our services on Facebook every morning. And so we didn't actually end up doing that, but we did use Facebook quite a bit to promote it as we got started and in a small community that worked really well because facebook's algorithm uses zip codes and those kind of things and so if you were part of the local buy sell swap group then facebook latched on it you know so you you would get organic reach that way i was worried you know the culture becoming what it was at that point even when we started even more so now what are you going to say in your message and are you willing to have the entire world hear that hmm. every pastor says i want to be faithful to the bible and that's an obvious yes Okay, but when I say hard things to my local congregation, my tone of voice is there. I can greet the new visitor at the door and I can give them a warm handshake and ask them their kids' names and do all these things. And you have a way to bridge that gap versus if your stuff is just out there on social media, it's probably only a matter of time until somebody grabs it. Now, if you're a smaller church, of course, this is much, much less likely, but eventually someone could grab a hold of teaching about marriage or men and women's roles or, you know, any of the, even sin, you know, at this point, anything that you're going to talk about is eventually going to be offensive. And the Bible tells us plainly that's going to happen. It may be wise to use your social media in a way that funnels back towards where you really want people rather than uh, I'm going to put it all out there on social media, making an on-ramp rather than the whole thing.
0: Yeah. You talked earlier about how do you cut through the clutter? The quickest way you cut through the clutter is to do something spectacularly stupid online, (laughs) (laughs) right? Right. Take all of a sudden, all of us small church pastors, we've all become, you know, video and audio content producers. All of a sudden we're radio and TV stars. Right. And we haven't been trained in it. And we're just saying the stuff that in a room full of people that we know they know how to filter. Well, he says that, but he actually means this or we just say something wrong and they aren't going to run around screaming. He's a heretic. They're going, yeah, he misspoke last Sunday. He didn't mean to say that. But yeah. somebody else grabs it and puts up a 30-second clip. If you're going to go viral, you're going to go viral on the stupidest thing you ever said in your life. Yeah,
1: it's not going to be for your brilliance and cleverness. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, so that's a great point, yes.
0: We need to be aware of that potential yeah. risk because it's yeah. very real.
1: Yes, absolutely. It's a trap, and uh, or it's a potential trap, I should say. Now, the other thing there is, I mentioned this, there's so much content online. And it may really be worth it. And I think every church should have some kind of social media presence in a world where we're all flooded with information. What the church really has to offer is deep, meaningful relationships and giving all of that information a context to make sense in. And so whether or not or how the church starts a podcast or you know, social media and how you use the videography stuff... I would say, do what you're good at. Offer what nothing else in the world can offer, which is the human presence of of a loving church family. And, you know, it's kind of sometimes debated, but the idea of incarnational ministry, we are the body of Christ. This is the language Paul uses. And so we don't want to make that too much more than it is, but we are the Jesus that people will meet. Funnel it back towards that somehow.
0: Yeah, absolutely. First, the best question is not, should I start, start a podcast? The best question is, what is the ministry? And if a podcast is the best way, or one of one of the good ways to promote that ministry, we should do so. Beginning on Facebook or YouTube is not a bad place to begin, but it's free. You're the product. Yeah. And the bottom line is, if you haven't paid something for it, somebody else owns it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, every once in a while, you see pastors get mad at Facebook. I've never once gotten mad at Facebook. They're giving it to me for free. They can do whatever they want. They own it. Yeah. Yeah. I should be aware of that. So if I want to own it, if I want to control it, if it's truly going to be mine, how do I do that instead?
1: I'm not sure. I've never read the fine print. I'm not even sure what Facebook's rules are. YouTube, you do have owner rights uh, and the difference, so all of these are different are different places and they have their different mechanisms for how they work. So I think with YouTube, you still have your own rights to your own contact. You still own it. Okay. But if, if you want, if you're hoping that YouTube is going to put you in front of other people for you, that's not necessarily going to happen. You could sponsor your ads. You know, they're a business. It could still be a very useful place. But again, what do you want it? to do for you? And what are you willing to exchange to make that happen? I guess I would say.
0: Okay. Okay. So again, another practical question, if somebody does want to do this, what kind of time should they expect to be putting into this in order to do it well enough that it's worth doing?
1: Great question. Great question. On the front end, it's going to be a lot more time than you want it. Yeah. (laughs) That's the first thing, you know, you know, that all of that will depend on what your concept is, how long, Do you want your episodes to be, do you want it to be a quick hit? You know, we're going to give you three application points from last week's sermon that, you know, highlighted what we talked about in length in the message and funnels it back that way. Is it going to be an interview, a long form interview? Because then you're going to have to line up guests and do all these things. How much post editing are you going to do? How polished do you want it to feel? All of those things, even doing a monologue. If you're going to say, well, I'm just going to talk, I'm going to be on the mic. Are you the kind of person that has to manuscript it? What you're going to say, even if you don't use those notes, are you going to manuscript it? Or are you just going to try to fly by the seat of your pants and go with it? All of those things will really depend on what kind of time it takes to it. The actual sitting in front of the mic shouldn't be that long. And the you know, if you're just doing an audio, processing the audio, you'll have some time learning the software we use Adobe. That's more expensive. It's more professional. There's probably more inexpensive ones, but that gives you a, it gives you a great finished product and you can, you know, treat your voice and setting all. but learning all of that is a big learning curve. So all of those are parts of the process to having a good podcast. That is something people are going to want to listen to.
0: Yeah. I'm going to come straight out and say this as a small, as the small church guy, speaking to a lot of other small church pastors, if, you believe that doing a podcast is going to be right for your ministry but you are not a tech expert or you do not have tech experts in the church who are willing to put in a great deal of time do something more beneficial with your time yeah because you're you're going to waste so much time so much frustration on the technical aspect of it yeah producing an inferior product that Mm -hmm. very few people, if anybody will listen to better to go visit someone better to go to a hospital visit, better to put more time in sermon prep to go and and hang out in your community at the local coffee shop. So you get to know the neighbors. You will get far more return for your time doing that. If you don't have high technical expertise yourself or somebody else in your church who has high technical expertise, the amount of time that you will waste will not be worth it.
1: I would agree with that. Actually, as was the way I started the conversation, the way I did, maybe not, maybe you could be great. And I think most pastors that I've known, gosh, we're all generalists, right? You know, we're good at all, a little bit of everything. I think most pastors could learn the skill, but there's a tremendous amount of learning curve and what it will take in terms of mental space to make that happen, to get that learning curve down, it will detract from your other things. Yes, you very, very well may have more ministry fruit if you just have your neighbors over on a regular basis. Go coach (laughs) little league, build relationships. And again, that's where I go back to. There are a thousand pastors out there doing their thing, putting it up for free on YouTube. And that's great, there's nothing wrong with it. But in information dump right now, the thing that we do have to offer is our human touch that no one else can replace. Pastor, listening to this, you are unique. And while other people may be able to make a podcast, there is no one that will replace your presence in your community, in your place. And God, I think, sovereignly designed that to be that way.
0: I love that. I think we we come back to the core of the whole thing with that. That's awesome. Well, let's get to the lightning round questions and see how well you fare with these four questions. okay? Okay. Hit me. Number one, what are the biggest changes you've seen in your field of ministry in the last few years and how have you adapted to it? I
1: think the skepticism towards the church, but institutions in general, and I am seeing a big need for all of us to really focus on really more the human aspects and earn people's trust. There's just so much happening. And then you've seen the abuse stuff, both, you know, the Southern Baptist thing that they apparently sat on these names for all these years. And uh, of course, there's in in the larger context of society, Protestant churches will think of that one, but the non-believing world, the non, the outsiders to the church, they're going to lump us together with the Catholic church. They just think it's, oh, this is these Christians, you know? And so you have that abuse scandal, and then you have a lot of people are talking about pastoral, just heavy-handed leadership and those kinds of things, and even forcing families back together when maybe there's an abusive spouse or something, all of that is coming home to roost and people are increasingly skeptical. We're just going to have to make friends uh, and get people to trust us.
0: Yeah. Earning trust again is going to be, I think, forefront of what we're going to have to do. Yeah. I think another thing
1: too on that, biblical literacy, the assumption that we can jump in and do 40 verse 40 sermons on the book of Ephesians. I think the thing that I have gone back to over the last several years is taking people over and over and over again to the broad narrative of scripture that Genesis to Revelation is a complete story and do not underestimate the power of just taking people into the story. Story has a way of getting through the cracks that sometimes propositional truth doesn't always do.
0: I agree. The story arc of scripture, I think, is something we need to regularly remind ourselves and our congregations of. And then when we tell our testimony and our story, we get to see how my little part of that story gets to play a part in this broad story of redemption and salvation that God is telling through his yes. word. Yep. And then it, then it becomes less less self-centered. It's not about how God fits into my story. It's oh, about how, how we get to fit into his, which is a richer, bigger story.
1: And we weren't designed to carry the weight of being the center of the story. We all want to. And intuitively, we kind of feel like we're supposed to. But when we we're finally relieved of that, we breathe easier and lighter.
0: Yeah. It's also a great antidote to the, this cultural moment where everybody's stories is trying to be centered. I think we can provide a wonderful alternative. And the only way to do it, you said earlier, story cuts through narrative. We need a better narrative and Christ has already given us that better narrative.
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: Yeah. All right. Question number two, what free resource like an app or website has helped you lately that you'd recommend for small church ministry? Hmm.
1: Free resource, small church ministry. All right. I'll be a little shameless here. I learned so much from my partner, Matt Whitman. Matt talks about the Bible in a way. He is one of the best guys I've ever listened to on historical context, but he makes it sound so conversational and you get done. He's given me all this background on Roman coinage and all this stuff. That's where the podcast has been lately. And I think, oh, that was, that was awesome. And that did not at all sound like the wonky professor. I'm the Bible history expert. And you know, that, I think that tone is off putting. And so I just find myself listening to his stuff as a good friend and partner. And I think, okay, I need to grow in this. I need to grow in this because a church audience, they like the idea that I come across as a history, you know, background expert, but people outside the circle, that is off-putting. That's something that has just really helped me grow. And I think about how I present the timeless truths of the gospel uh, in a way that makes sense to people that aren't already part of a church audience today.
0: Yeah. Matt Whitman, 10-Minute Bible Hour. Uh, He takes the subject very seriously and does not take himself seriously at all. There's a charm to that that's really uh, compelling.
1: Yeah, so that's that's a little selfless plug for what we're doing, but that's that's my honest answer.
0: Yeah, and when the two of you are together on that, there's a great uh, give and take between the two of you that's compelling as well. So that's
1: Yeah, cool. Thank you.
0: Yeah, number three. What's the best piece of ministry advice you've ever received?
1: Wow, boy, there's a bunch of best lists. I was just counseling this, talking to a a younger pastor here this week, uh, and just giving him some tips on interviewing. He said, I told him. When I was applying for my first job, I asked a professor, okay, I'm going to my first interview. What do I need? What do I need to know? And he said, their theology, you're going to know that this, that you need to know who is the influential person in the church and can you work with that person? I found that to be really true. Yeah. That same professor also said, don't take yourself too seriously. And those are two good pieces of advice all the way back from seminary Another maxim I've often repeated, what you win people with, you'll win them too. All of those are are just so true. And you know, one of the reasons I'll be a little transparent. One of the reasons I, I struggle to take myself too seriously is mostly out of insecurity. And I think I don't think I'm alone in that in pastors. We stand up in front of people, you know, for a living. And so we all want to be in the seat of our professors that trained us, but just be human just be human. Don't take yourself too seriously. That weight is relieved uh, of us.
0: Yeah, that's great. All right. Last question. What's the funniest or weirdest thing you've ever seen in church?
1: Oh man, I was preaching and a friend of mine, we were good friends of our family. He took his little boy out to the restroom in the middle of the message and the, the church doors, the back of the sanctuary were all glass. It was like a tall 12 foot window and then the glass doors and they closed them during the service. And so the father, this little guy was three or four years old and he held the door open with his right arm. And the little boy was, you know, kind of lollygagging around, gawking around. And instead of walking through the open door, he walked right into the glass. In it was a kind of a quiet moment in what I was saying. And it went dong. Into the whole congregation. And I saw a couple people's heads because they didn't see it. It was at the back of the sanctuary. And I was the only right. one who saw it. And I saw it and I saw people's heads kind of cock. And I kept the laughter in and I kept going. <laughs> it was the the closest I'd ever been to losing, you know, my composure in the middle of a message right in that uh, moment but it was a great story so
0: yeah that dad
1: and i we had a great laugh about it afterwards and i said nobody else saw it but they heard it and i almost lost it and well, we had a good that, laugh. Is,
0: that is some serious self-control on your part i gotta hand it to you for that
1: <laughs> yeah i think if i think i went back and listened to the audio recording and i could hear myself i kind of went uh, and, kept, and then I, I went on with the next thought, you know, and it's like, okay, grab the pulpit, look at your notes, what's the next thought and don't look up and it was yeah. a lot of fun though, you know, when, that you, would be. when you get to know the congregation over years like that you just, you just have those little moments that you just, you shared history together. That's a lot of yeah,
0: fun. It is very cool. Hey, if people want any more from you, how can they find you online or follow up with you on anything. So
1: our website is go eyes Eyes Up is the name of our nonprofit, and that comes directly from John 435, where Jesus is talking to the disciples, and they're like, well, what are you doing? Why are you talking to her? You know, this woman, at the well, uh, we'll lift up your eyes. Mm-hmm. There's opportunities out here. So our nonprofit is Eyes Up, goeyesup.com, and you can shoot me an email from there. The podcast is listed there, the Good Ideas for Churches podcast. We're working on other resources as well that we're going to put up at the website. If you've got a problem, there's things that we could try to help with. Reach out to us from the website, and we'll see what we can do for you.
0: Perfect. Thanks, Aaron. Appreciate it. Every once in a while when I tell people that this podcast is called Can This Work in a Small Church? They ask, is the answer ever no? Well, today we get pretty close to that, don't we? So, Can This Work in a Small Church?, As Aaron answered, well, maybe, but maybe not. In other words, before we start asking if a podcast is a good idea, let's remember to ask ourselves, what is it that our church and ministry wants to do, and what's the best way to do it? In a lot of situations, the best use of our limited time and energy may be to invest ourselves even deeper into the church and into the surrounding community with low-tech, hands-on touches rather than a podcast. If a podcast is right for you, by all means do it. Start with the free platforms, move to ones that you have to pay a little bit more money for, but make sure you've got the time and the skill to do all of the technical work that it's going to require. The bottom line is this, don't get enamored with the tools and the toys. Know what God has called you to do, then do it in the best way you know. If that's a high-tech answer, fine. But if it's old school pastoring, which it will be for most of us, stay faithful in that. If you'd like to support this ministry with a one-time gift or monthly donation and help put these resources into the hands of the ministries that need them the most, check out our support link in the show notes. Would you like a transcript of this episode? It will be available within a few days of the podcast air date at christianitytoday.com slash Vaders. You can find the link in the show notes. This episode was produced by Veronica Beaver, edited by Phil Vaders. Original theme music was written and performed by Jack Wilkins of jackwilkinsmusic.com. And me, I'm Carl Vaders, and I'm a small church pastor.